You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. This, this is, is Talking with the Pros. The pros. Like professionals. This is Talking with the Pros with me, Jess B. I speak to the professionals in the world of audio to gain an insight into what it takes to become a pro. Talking with the Pros. All right, today we have Matthew Newbold. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Good, Jessica. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming to Talking with the Pros. I talk to the professionals in the world of audio. Tell us about yourself, Matt. Tell us your experience in the audio world. Well, in the audio world, you know, it, it's nice to be called a professional. I don't consider myself quite the professional as most audio technicians. I am a musician, and I know a little bit about audio. I've mostly played here in Las Vegas, pretty much every piano bar, piano entertaining venue. If it's opened, I've played it. Actually opened a few. Pete's Dueling Piano Bar when it was here. The uh, Extra Lounge at uh, Planet Hollywood. I got my start originally... When I was growing up, I went to uh, Bowling Green State University. My major was going to be criminology, but that was so boring that I was like, "What? I'm just wasting my time. During a, As a summer job, I was working at a state park, and I would listen to the radio in the morning, and this DJ would come on, and I'd be like, I like this guy. I could do that. That sounds like fun. You know, radio DJ personality yeah, in, the, in the morning. Right. In my second year, I said, I'm going to declare my major as communications. My second year, I was all about communications. I worked in a radio station, the college radio station. Really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, it was like like six in the morning to 10 mm, and nobody mm-hmm. listened. <laughs> and I'd say, hey, you can call in and request a song and nobody uh-huh. would request a song. To and... this day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I would, I was like, I got homework to do. So I'd put on, I wasn't supposed to, but I'd put on Pink Floyd's, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, shine on you crazy diamonds like a 23 minute song and i'd be like all right that's good oh yeah you know so but uh then i realized you know the thing i was also getting into music at the time playing in bands and i realized that uh, being on the radio you have to have a certain type of personality that when you say something that's funny you just have to expect that they're gonna laugh where i need that response mm, and the so feedback. yeah so the live music mm-hmm. you know for me is I need that response and that feedback. Mm-hmm. So on the radio, I was like, I just not, is this funny? I mm-hmm. said it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's funny or not. No one's listening. I just thought, you know. I bet it was. I, well, it might have, probably not, but, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so I just decided, you know, I'm going to move to Nashville. I mean, what am, what am I paying this, yeah. you know, whatever the college fee was, I felt it was just a, you know, cover charge. <laughs> Because it was Bowling Green was like the biggest party school in Ohio, oh. and I didn't party mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the time. Well, that's why nobody was listening at six in the morning. They were still asleep, and that's why they gave it to me. <laughs> They're like, "You want to tell your dumb jokes? You can tell them at <laughs> six in the morning." <laughs> I did. I moved to Nashville and uh, with a couple friends, and you know, it's very, very difficult to work in Nashville as a musician. So we basically just wrote songs. I learned how to write songs. I met a lot of, you know, great musicians and great writers and, you know, made some contacts. But I was getting nowhere 
musically and, you know, personally, I didn't care if I was going to make it. My idea of making it was not having to wait tables, you know, getting paid to play music. And, mm-hmm. and they told me I sounded too much like Billy Joel. And this is in like the 90, late 90s, early 2000s. Billy Joel was pretty much forgotten at that point in mm-hmm. Nashville, but everywhere else across the country, he was like a hit. They said, nah, you, got, you, you sound too much like Billy Joel. I tried to uh, mimic some other singers, and that's how I got good at taking requests and mm-hmm. trying to sound like Elton John or Bob Seger or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I amalgamated all of them together and had my own voice, so they didn't say, you sound like Billy Joel anymore. <laughs> and then I actually, when I moved away from Nashville, that's when I started to actually enjoy country, but when I was there, I hated it. They'd request country songs, and I'd say, get out. I don't want to play that. (laughs) I met a guy. We were auditioning for a band, and I met this guitar player, and he had just got off a Disney cruise ship. He gave me the information because I was like, a cruise ship? I never thought about that. And so I got the information, and I had a demo CD, and I called the guy, sent him my info because they needed a keyboard player for a band. It was a fill-in band. He called me as soon as he got it and said, all right, you're hired. Here's 150 songs. I want you to learn them. Tomorrow. <laughs> Pretty much, because then he was like, two weeks, we're leaving. I mean, you're leaving in two weeks. You're going to get paid $700 a week. And for me, that was like, wow. Yeah. Okay, so I'm leaving Nashville, put my stuff somewhere else where I don't have to pay for a rent or food or anything. I'm all covered. I mean, I knew maybe 12 of these songs in this 150 songs. Mm-hmm. I was freaking out how in the heck am I going to learn all these on the keyboard? And so I, for two weeks, I was stressed, practiced my tail off, and maybe got 50 songs. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm not going to... Because I was used to the musicianship of Nashville, Mm. the professional, the professionalism that they bring to the table, you know, and I get, (laughs) I get to Merritt Island and I meet the other musicians and I'm like, okay, one of them is this... Big Elvis, who walks around on stilts, you know, he's the lead guy. And then the guitar players from Canada, who doesn't even know chords. And the drummer and the bass player were like top notch. But I was like, nobody knew any of this. I knew more songs than anyone else, mm-hmm. except for the drummer and the bass player, because they, you know, they were like that type of music. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my goodness, what? I thought I was getting into, you know, this professional band, and I was really. You brought your A game. I did. Mm -hmm. But so, you know, so I worked on cruise ships for several years. And then that's where I, well, for eight months. And then I met a guy in the dueling piano realm. And I always, I saw dueling pianos and I was like, man, that's amazing. I could never be that good. I see those guys and I'm just amazed. And, uh, And then I met a couple of the guys and realized, well, they were you know, they're, they're just like me. They started somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just learning songs. Through dueling pianos, I learned how to deal with audiences. Because it's not so much like the music or the style or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's how do you talk to people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, so that's taken me all over the world and on every country. I've done many shows and then landed here in Las Vegas. So that's the background. But through all that, I learned that the most important, and any musician in Vegas will tell you this, mm-hmm. you're only as good as the sound guy makes you. Mm-hmm. And that is such, it, it is so, so important. Some sound guys don't even realize that. They, in Vegas, they'll just 
flip a switch, turn you on, and walk out. Yeah. Some sound guys, you know, really put their mm-hmm. their effort into making you sound good, and it's I mean it's amazing. You could have the best band and a and a me and a sound guy that just kind of flips a button, and you don't sound very good. Or you could have a mediocre band and a sound guy who really dials it in. And then you're like, wow, this band's really good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's so true. And also speaking about audio, you also do audiobooks, right? I did. I What I did was I had a vocal booth that I had bought back in Seattle to a CD that I had done, a project. Mm-hmm. And so I had this vocal booth and I've carried it around with me for 15 years. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? I'm not using it. But then the shutdown happened and they said, uh, hey, musicians, you're not allowed to play music Mm. and not allowed to get paid. I said, uh, I got to do something. And all the dueling piano players at the time, they were doing online dueling pianos. And to me, I was like, why would, why? Mm -hmm. You know, you miss the the live aspect. That's what really makes it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hey, uh, come tune in to Facebook and see me play all your favorite songs except Horribly Bad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, I'm Through not going to do computer that. computer speaker. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I came up with some other ideas. You know, I wanted to be more creative. And so I I did, you know, dueling pianos, except it was just me, meaning I recorded one half of it. And then I went back and video recorded the other half. And so it looks like there's two me's playing piano. <laughs> that's and then, and then I was that's like, good. I got to add. And so then I added a third me. <laughs> And uh, one of them had a wig and one of them. And so I was playing the guitar. Mm -hmm. And so I did an ACDC, you know, shook me all night long. And all three of it, you know, one on the piano, one on the keyboard drums and one Mm -hmm. on the guitar. And I learned that guitar solo on the guitar. And it was just, I mean, you don't have a job. That's how you (laughs) do it. That's when I decided I got to do something. I listen to audiobooks a lot. So I thought, you know, I wonder, I bet you I could probably do this. I'll give it a shot. You know, I always don't necessarily think I can do it until I try it. So I set up the vocal booth and I listened to some uh, narrators, some amateur narrators. And I thought, well, I mean, this person can do it. They're, you know, they're narrating a book. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably not the best way to decide to do something. Listen I get to someone where you're and be like, from. man, this guy mm-hmm. sucks. I can do it better than him. <laughs> that's not really what I, I yeah. thought. I, yeah. I was like, well, okay, well, if they, you know, I got mm-hmm. the stuff. Mm-hmm had the microphones and so I set it up and you were inspired I was I was inspired by suckitude <laughs> I set up the vocal booth and I recorded my friend had written a book so I said hey let me let me do your book mm. you know just as a fun project and so it took me you know quite a bit of hours put it on the ACX website and uh which is like Amazon's audiobook thing mm. And then I uh, did a bunch of um, test runs, and then I actually landed uh, a few. I did one or two for free, and then I started getting $50 an hour, which is, you know, $50 an hour is like really $7 an hour because you put in a lot of work, Mm -hmm. especially when you're just starting. Mm -hmm. I was still learning, so, eh, you know, I felt like an intern. And then finally worked my way up to uh, $125, $150 an hour, which is still, you know, maybe you're making $20 an hour or 25 an hour mm-hmm. when it comes down to it because you, you record, you got to go back and edit and take out all the the things. And uh, yeah. when you're reading a book, you want to make sure that you 
the way that you speak needs to be accurate to what they're saying in the sentence. And if you're reading it the first time, you may not get it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So turned out I actually used that that college experience after all for something. Yeah, you did. With learning all those skills, when was the moment that you knew that you had a love of audio? You mentioned doing uh, college radio. So you turned on the radio and heard that. Was that the moment? Was it through music and playing the piano? When I was a kid, when I was in high school, I had this like boom box. I don't know if you remember. Well, you probably don't. But back in the day, we had two tape deck kind of recording things. And and one of them you could play and one of them you could record. Mm. So what I did was I would do skits. I loved Saturday Night Live. I, that was my dream was to be on Saturday Night Live. So I came up with these skits and, and I was a big fan of Weird Al. <laughs> I made these, you know, these skits where I did all the voices. And so I would record one and then, you know, then I would go back and I would play that and then record the other one over top of it. It was a very crude way of doing multi-track recording. But, mm-hmm. you know, that was my introduction to actually audio. I still have some of these recordings. And then I would do rap songs, you know, funny rap songs. Once I realized, wow, you can do multi-track recordings. At the time, I think it was a, they were using tape decks and then, mm. then it moved on to uh, HD and now it's all computerized and, you know, but I don't have time to mess with it anymore. Uh, you know, basic recording. But when I, when I decided, you know, man, audio is, is just my thing. I love doing it. Love playing music. I love listening to music. It was it was probably in college when I was on the radio station and I was playing music and recording it and then listening to it and realizing, you know, you could capture music and change frequencies and, mm-hmm. you know, you can make, uh, you, you record your voice singing a song in the bathroom <laughs> and it sounds great, you know, with mm-hmm. all the echoes and everything. Mm-hmm. And then you just add a little boost, a little low end or, you know, I'm not real familiar with all the terminology anymore. Move you just add knob. that sparkle. Yeah. And that's when I thought, man, this is this is really cool. I love it. <laughs> that's interesting that it was like the radio almost that, <laughs> hey, yeah. but also comedy. You're quite the comedian. That's where you found audio. So what are you doing now in terms of everything that you said. I know you said you were doing audiobooks. Are you still doing that? Are you still doing music? Yeah, well, the audiobooks, I'm working with an author in particular that um, she's a young adult Christian fantasy writer, and um, she had trouble finding audio narrators Mm -hmm. because, you know, like any other job, people don't really treat it as a as a job mm-hmm. you know they don't treat it with respect uh, you know everything i do i treat it with the utmost respect that you know this person put a lot of time and effort into this book mm-hmm. so i'm going to put a lot of time and effort right. into you know narrating it for them and uh and giving it my my best and just you know if i say it's going to be done by whatever a month then i have a month to do it it just happened now that I'm working full-time at a church, I'm also doing a couple nights at playing the piano bar. And, and where I used to work, 
I don't know, can I say where I used to work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to be full-time at New York, New York, at the Dueling Piano Bar. New York, New York, it's request-driven, mm-hmm. but it's the same 50 requests every night. So I just wanted to do something different. So I'm doing a solo piano bar where I still take requests, but it's more where I, I can actually sing the songs rather than scream them. Mm. So More intimate setting. Yes, more intimate. Mm. But I, I might, you know, I still pick up a few nights over there. To the audiobook, I'm, I'm just really busy with everything. Mm. And uh, I'd love to get back into it. But, you know, the pay, I still got to work my way up to, you know, $400 an hour or <laughs> Simon Preble. He's like the rock star of audiobooks. You know, he's probably getting $2,000 an hour mm-hmm. and takes him an hour to do an hour. <laughs> Or me, it takes five hours to do one hour. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still trying to do it, but it's finding the time. Of course, yeah. I mean, just like music, music doesn't happen. You have to prep, like you said, when you're on the cruise. You have to learn these songs and you have to put in the time. And with audio and crafting for books or any medium that's going to be intense audio, you got to put in some work to make sure that it's the quality that you want it to be. And it's what you want them to hear. Of course, it's going to take time. Just like live radio. I mean, somebody's there on a DJ, you know, doing it. Or they could do recordings in between and then their voice tracked. So what do you think the future of audio is? There's so many things happening now, especially here in Las Vegas with the Sphere, um, with the Metaverse, immersive technologies, What do you think is going to be going on in the future? And what are some hopes for yourself going forward being in the world of audio? Well, yeah, the future is, uh, you know, the fact that everything is opened up to where now somebody can get a system, run a a podcast for like $200, $250. You get a microphone, you sit in your closet or whatever. There's a lot of people that are doing it. But there's, you know, there's training, vocal training. It's like you can't just get up and sing unless you're like, you know, really, really good and you've never had training and you just, there it is, or get up and play piano or get up and entertain people. It takes a lot of, there's a lot behind it. Mm -hmm. So I think right now, you know, in the audio world, there's a, it's being flooded but eventually it's going to weed itself out to the talent is going to is going to rise you know a lot of people that are that are doing it that really shouldn't be doing it you know um you know, listen to some of the podcasts you'll get a lot of ahs and ums and mm-hmm. things and and pauses and you know yeah we call those filler words yeah and if you haven't been trained that you know if you're if you're pausing uh you're thinking um, you know, mm-hmm. you want to move away from that. And, and so I think what's going to happen is the audio world is going to, the, the, the cream is going to rise to the top, but right now it's just flooded because this is where we are. Everybody has a, everybody has a phone so they can be a videographer and they put it on YouTube, but you're seeing the YouTube videos that are really going somewhere. I mean, besides the, you know, person falling on their face and, right. Or someone getting beat up and like, hey, I'll pull out my phone and and videotape that. Like the real channels, like one of my favorite channels is called The Y-Files. 
And this guy, I mean, talk about professionalism. It's like a, you know, he deals with the supernatural and, and, uh, almost debunking it, which I love, but it's so well done. And it's, you know, that's the stuff that's rising to the top. I've watched his channel go from like, uh, 800,000 subscribers to 2.7 million subscribers Mm. in less than six months. And it's because he's put in so much work and effort Mm -hmm. and, you know, same with, uh, with podcasts, you know, people are starting to recognize that this person is really good. And so we're going to subscribe to them. We're going to, we want more content. Right. Yeah. But then Mm -hmm. with, uh, like the metaverse and, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know how popular that's going to get the sphere. I, I, I don't know. They're going to do broadcast from the sphere and (laughs) put you on top of the, the ball. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they're going to project things like on the dome. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Then why pay? Who knows? Yeah, so there's so many things going on. And just like you mentioned with audio and podcasting, it's just now everything's getting so intermingled with not only it just being a audio intensive, it's now people want that video aspect and wanting to see, you know, that live recording or that podcast in real time or be able to watch it on video as well as hearing it. And just being able to be mobile and, I think, passive, but also a form of, like, sitting down and enjoying the show, like on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And also being different ways to connecting. Did you have any additional things that you wanted to share with us that we may not know what it might take to be in the world of audio? The world of audio, there's a lot of aspects to that world. If someone wanted to get into the world of audio, if you're going to do it, you know, don't do it without the least bit of training. You know, you can watch YouTube videos on how to enunciate, what words to enunciate. I mean, I'm not great at it, but when I speak to an an audience, you know, when I'm live, I don't I don't mumble. I don't go, you know, hey, everybody having a good time today? We you know, that might be how I speak to like my kids or something. But when I'm speaking to people, it has to be different. You know, I slow it down. I over-enunciate almost to the point where it's it's like I'm speaking to children because, you know, these drunk people pretty much are a bunch of children. Mm-hmm. But they want to be entertained and they want to, you know, with all the other noises and, and things. And mm-hmm. so, you, you know... have to get the message across. Yeah. And when somebody comes to the world of audio, you have to learn how to speak. You, you know, know, learn what a vocal fry is. You know, and when to use it, because I, I hear a lot of people uh, using vocal fry a lot, and you know they don't realize that sometimes it doesn't sound good. You don't want to mm-hmm. use it in a certain. T- Anyways, those those little tricks that you could learn from just taking a course, or you know, if you're going to go to school for it. I thought, you know, when I was in college, I was like, what do I need to go to school for this? I could just. If I wanted to be a radio personality, I could just do it. Well, not really, you know, unless you're famous and then you take the step into the audio world. But even then, it's because you have a recognizable voice, not because, you know, you worked on it. So, you know, if if you're famous and you want to do it, you know, do whatever you want. But uh, if your goal, you know, is to be in the audio world, get some training 
go to school, you know, at least watch some videos. <laughs> <laughs> Please just go on YouTube. Yeah. Search it up. Well, I appreciate all that you've shared with us, everything that you've talked about today. Definitely. I also believe in educating and training and taking the time to hone in your craft, especially if you want to do this long term and build up an audience. We all have to start from somewhere. I'm just so happy to get a chance to hear your journey in the audio world. So thank you again, Matt, for coming out. Really appreciate you. Absolutely, Jessica. And uh, thank you for having me. And I enjoy listening to your show. You're awesome. Oh, thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. And hey, maybe we'll have you on again or we'll see you live. Yeah, you can have me on again and we'll discuss wrestling. Oh, okay. So Old that, school. That's our new podcast. There you go. <laughs> All right, Matt. I'll see you later. All right, bye. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's episode, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available, like Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Talking with the Pros with me, Jess B. I love you, and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.